So today we come to Exodus chapter 21. Please go ahead and open your Bibles up to that chapter. Chapter 21 of the book of Exodus. As we left off in chapter 20, the last time we gathered together, we saw where God had been speaking to Moses from atop Mount Sinai. The Lord God was establishing at that time in the hearts and in the minds of the Hebrew people just exactly who he was and is and how he expected them to reverence and to honor him. He wanted them to see that he was indeed to be there all in all. In other words, their everything, their Lord, their master, the one and only God that they were to worship. He is the God of creation, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God who had led them out of captivity, out of the the bondage that they were in, in Egypt. But nonetheless, time will prove that They will be a people that will be far from what you really could call a godly people in the way that they will behave at times. They will be a people that fall very, very short of the glory of God in many, many ways. So God will establish them a law, or establish with them, I should say, a law, a very detailed law. The next few chapters of Exodus here are just the tip of the iceberg of those laws, or, you know, the law that that the Lord God will establish with them. And again, the reason for the law was, it wasn't that God needed to, to have it, but that the people being a sinful and a disobedient people, they needed to have the law. They needed to have law and order within their society amongst them, right? They were going to do wrong things. And as you continue to read through the Old Testament, you will see the many things that they did wrong. But of course, they are not unlike our society Today, today we live in a world where people sin and fall short of the glory of God, don't we? So we too need to have law and order within our land today. It is a necessary thing because people sin. They fall short of the glory of God. But as we begin to read these verses here this morning, Just keep in mind that these laws, again, that they had to be established because of the fact that the people were going to live in a manner that fell short of righteousness, right? It's important that we understand this because if we do not understand the reasons these laws had to be established, then we can fall victim to believing that God approved of a certain way of life. In other words, we might, we're going to read today about slavery and, and some regulations when it comes to owning a slave. Now, does that mean that God's saying he approves of slavery? 
No, God knows what he's dealing with here. These are the same people that even though they just saw the mighty moving of God in their midst as God spoke to Moses, right? Even though they saw this and they trembled with fear at the sight of it all, they're still going to be worshiping a golden calf soon. So they are sinners. So there had to be law and order. And God is going to establish that with them here and now. And as we'll talk about more as we go on, every nation today needs law and order. There has to be laws because people are lawbreakers. And people are sinners and people fall short and people harm others and steal from others and, and all the above. Anything you can list, they do it. Again, so as we look at the people of the Old Testament, again, a couple things. Keep in mind that, that we're no better. And also keep in mind that God had to establish some law and order with them. Otherwise, they would have devoured one another. They would have been destroyed long before they ever even got off the ground, ever even got started here. So, you see, sometimes, and the reason I'm pointing this out before we jump into this is because sometimes people can be ignorant, and I don't mean that in a very negative way. I mean, just uh, unknowing, you know, the whole unknowing to the whole counsel of the Word of God, right? And they'll sometimes believe that, well, it, there it is in the Bible. So God approves of it. But there's a lot of things in the Bible that God doesn't approve of, right? As far as a way of life. But because you see, God's word is filled with truth. Okay? It, it doesn't fabricate things. It's not painting a rosy picture. It's telling the truth. And in the pages of the Bible is the truth about who God is and what he represents. He represents truth. He represents justice, which we'll see today in the scriptures. Holiness, right? Righteousness. But also contained in the pages of scripture is the truth about who mankind really is, who we really are. Sinners. Vile, evil, unjust, unmerciful, unrighteous, unholy. So again, just keep these things in mind as we go through Exodus chapter 21 here this morning. Let's go ahead and read verse 1. Now, these are the judgments which you shall set before them. So, Again, right off the bat here, God knows that he needs to put something in place here to keep order. And he's telling Moses, these are the judgments that you are to set before them, right? Verse two, if you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years and in the seventh, he shall go out free and pay nothing. Now, let me ask you, does any one of us here think that slavery is a good thing? No, we don't, right? But has slavery existed? And does slavery exist 
still in our world today somewhere? Yes, it does. But again, God is establishing here with his people, the Hebrews, that when they engage in this practice, which he knew they will, right? Which their sinful nature, that they would do that. So he set up some regulations for them regarding it. I just simply equate it to something like the speed limit today that are on our roadways, right? Why do we need them? Is it not because people will speed? And is it not dangerous to have a one-ton or a two-ton or a three-ton vehicle racing about our streets with no laws? Right? Even with speed limits, we still speed, don't we? Can you imagine what it would be like if there were no speed limits? No traffic laws? These one, two, and three-ton vehicles would be killing people in droves every day. So this people here in that day, God's people, the Hebrews, all the way back then, they would have slaves. God knew it. So he gave them regulations for it. A Hebrew could only be a slave to a Hebrew for six years, and then that man was to go free. And the regulations continue here in verse 3. If he comes in by himself, and he, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife, and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. So, you see, slavery was human ownership, obviously, right? The man that was the slave was owned in every way by the one that purchased him. So, if a man met a woman that was also owned by the master, then the woman also belonged to the master, and therefore she was the property of the master. But if, however, the man's slave came in with the wife... Well, then she didn't belong to the master, but rather she belonged to the manslave. Again, just some order that God is establishing with his people. Why? Because he had to. Because they would sin and fall short. They would own slaves. And he knew that they would. So he's laying down the law here. And it gets very detailed. Verse 5 says, But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Right? So here this male servant seems to realize that he's got it good right where he is. And after his six years are up, he says, I don't want to go free. So what happens now? Well, verse 6 says, Then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost. And his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. So they go to the judges here in order, I'm sure, to establish some things in writing. Then they go and put a physical mark upon this male servant, indicating that he now permanently and very happily will be a lifelong servant to his master. Again, this procedure is voluntary on the part of the slave. Now, I would think that masters would be inclined to 
treat their servants kindly during those days, right? At least for the first six years they would, right? They would probably want to do all they could to keep that servant forever. Because at the end of the six years, the servant was free to go, right? So this is what, though, would be called being a bond servant. When a servant made this type of choice to say, I'm staying here. I'll be a slave to my master, a servant to my master forever. It was a bond servant. And they were voluntarily bound for life. You'll see that word bond servant used in the New Testament by the apostles of Jesus Christ. They were voluntarily happy to be servants of the Lord Jesus Christ for life because of all the good that Jesus had done for them and within them. How he had changed them from the inside out to make them be men of God. But here, so in these verses, we see they would pierce the ear to show that they were a slave. Now, you know, we can kind of equate this in a way to people that are slaves to sin today. Again, all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. And each and every person needs to be born again. They must be born of the Spirit. They must be set free from their sin, from the bondage of sin. And they can only do so through faith in Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross where He shed His blood. But today, many people are slaves to the world. They're slaves to this world system and doing things in this world that everyone else does. And, and this world seems to own them in many ways. So they want to look like the rest of the world. They want to dress like the West, rest of the world and, you know, all of that stuff. And, I, you know, and I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about you have to dress a certain way. But what I'm saying is, is the person's heart is not changed to the place where they they stop being a follower of the world and they begin to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And then they, they're searching for something. They're looking for an identity. So they go out and they mark up their body and they pierce up their body and all of that so they can look like the world or, or make their claim as to, to who they are because they have no contentment on the inside to be content with who they are internally in Jesus Christ. So they become like the world. Now, of course, here's the thing though. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. And that person is sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. And they are a new creation. So the outward really doesn't matter, does it? It's an inward thing. It's an inward commitment. So I'm not knocking any of you that may have piercings or, or tattoos or whatever you go out and do. Because it's all a matter of the heart. Who you are internally. But just be careful that you're not a slave to this world. 
that you're not following in the ways of this world, but instead you're following in the ways of Jesus Christ, in the ways of the Word of God. And you're caring more about the internal things. You're caring more about fixing your eyes on Jesus. And you're caring more about the things of heaven than the things of this world. Right? Again, the servant of Christ is one that no matter what the world has outwardly done to them or what choices they have made in the world, they come to be changed inwardly and are no longer slaves to the world, but are now bond servants, voluntarily servants of Jesus Christ, having given their life to him and having repented of their sin. And they now happily serve and live for him. So God here continues to establish regulations. And in verse seven, and if a man sells his daughter to be a female slave, she shall not go out as the male servants do or as the male slaves do. So in other words, at the end of that sixth year, the female servant, also known as a maid servant, was not free to leave. You see, it wouldn't, if you think about it, right? Take some time to put some thought into the Word of God as you study it. But it wouldn't have been good for that maidservant to go out and be free in that day and age and be put out to the streets to live in society on her own. What, what would she do? If she didn't have a husband to care for her, how would she be taken care of? Remember, this isn't, we're not talking about the 21st century. We're not talking about our day and age here, okay? We're talking about women that couldn't work at that time. Again, did God approve of that? No, we're gonna, I want to talk, I want to touch on something a little bit later. Just a brief scripture that I won't share with you right now, but I'll bring it up here in just a little while. But you see, again, the point is, is God was looking out for these women. Again, they were going to be slaves like men were going to be slaves. But back in those days, all the jobs, all the work was oriented toward men. So these legislations here by God were actually going to protect that unmarried maidservant. It was a good thing for her that God established this amongst these people. But nonetheless, no matter what, she was still owned by the master and he could choose to keep her or get rid of her in that day. And verse eight says, if she does not please her master who has betrothed her to himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He shall have no right to sell her to a foreign people since he has dealt deceitfully with her, right? So he can't just cast her out selling her to some foreigners. He had to keep her amongst the Hebrews. If he didn't want her, for some reason, this man didn't seem pleased with her being his maidservant. And well, then he had to let her be redeemed by someone else amongst them. Verse nine says, and if he has betrothed her to his son, he shall deal with her according to the customs of daughters. In other words, treat her like a daughter a daughter-in-law in this case. 
If he takes another wife, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, and her marriage rights. And if he does not do these three for her, then she shall go out free without paying money, right? So again, it wouldn't be right just to dump the woman off on someone else during that day. She was his responsibility to take care of. She's a Hebrew woman. She's one of their own, right? He had to properly care for her okay, in one way, shape, or form. Again, God is looking out for the good amongst the people that wouldn't do good. I'm going to keep reminding you of that. God is looking out for the good amongst the people that wouldn't always do good. Okay? Don't confuse what we're reading about here with something that God has approved of or God made it that way. No, sinful man made it that way. Remember what God made in the beginning? Everything good in the Garden of Eden. Everything good. See, all we like sheep go astray. You see, it's us, it's mankind. We choose to either walk with God or go against God and walk in the ways of sin and in the ways of the world. And this is a result of it. But again, we've got to have laws, don't we? Okay, you see, the way of life that God approves of is actually written in the New Testament. Okay, you can go to Hebrews chapter 1, read verses 1 and 2, where it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. So you see, we are established today in Jesus Christ, where there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And that's the scripture I wanted to share with you. In Jesus Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's where we are today in the New Testament. Again, we're studying the Old Testament right now. We're reading through the Old Testament law here this morning. And God had to establish something to keep order with these people that weren't going to be a good people all the time. Just like people on the earth today. So none of us today believe that it is good to own a man, to own a woman, to mistreat a man, or to mistreat a woman. That's not Christ, okay? But again, this is all building up to something. As we read through the Old Testament, it is all building up to something. It's going to build up to, we all need a Savior, and here He is, Jesus Christ, the one and only way, the, the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father, no one comes to the God of all creation except through Him. So again, we need to realize that amongst us today, we're still sinners, right? Well, mankind today still has fallen short of the glory of God. 
So guess what? Guess what we need today in our society? We need law, don't we? We need law and order. It's amazing, but in our day and age, it seems as if, if you look at it, and you look at what is being reported by media outlets and such, it seems that law and order is being hated today. Right? Stories about, you know, stories abound every day where lawbreakers are demanding to be treated as if they're not lawbreakers, right? They're doing something illegal in one way, shape, or form, but they, it seems as if we're not supposed to treat them as lawbreakers. It's crazy today. And those that are out to see that law and order are kept are being portrayed today as the bad guys and the bad girls and such, right? Let's, let's take a few moments here to look at something that we should remind ourselves of from the New Testament. Again, God's word is truth. Now, there are those that hate truth. There may even be those that, you know, out there in internet land who end up listening to this teaching that hate what I'm saying right now or what I'm about to teach because they hate the truth. Okay, but let's mark this page and and let's turn to the book of Romans chapter 13. Please take a moment to find it. It's in the New Testament, Romans chapter 13. You'll find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, and then Romans in the New Testament. If you hit the book of 1 Corinthians, you've gone too far. I'd really like for all of us to to read along with me here. Romans chapter 13. Okay, so everyone there? Let's start reading in verse one. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now, that's pretty easy to understand, isn't it? It's pretty cut and dry, right? Verse 2, therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. And that seems pretty cut and dry too, doesn't it? For example, today we have police officers. They are the ones that go out and whose job it is to protect and to serve. That's what they should be doing, both protecting and serving. So if you get pulled over by one of them, don't resist. Respect their authority and do what they say. It's very simple. Verse 3 goes on, For rollers are not a terror to good works, 
but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. You see, if you go out and you steal, you vandalize, you cause an uproar, you riot, you you just decide that uh, you're going to go out and be a menace on society just because you can, or just because you think you have the right to, for, for some reason, right? Well, then guess what? You need to be afraid. But if you don't do those things, you have no reason to be afraid. If you see, if you get up every day and you go to work, or at least you are out trying to find work, let's say you find something good to do for society, like maybe cut your neighbor's grass, clean up your neighborhood, or, or do something. Go out and do something good for the elderly people in your neighborhood or someone that needs help. If you're unemployed, step out and do something good. If you're out doing that kind of thing, you have nothing to worry about. Right? Believe me, if you are out practicing what is good, it would be very extremely rare for some rogue cop to come up and tackle you to the ground because you're out cleaning up somebody's yard or you're out picking up trash on the street while you're unemployed. But if you're being a loud mouth menace to society, you're out writing on walls, breaking in places, stealing this or that, then the, then the law, which is ordained by God, is going to come down on you. And speaking of the law, right, verse 4 says, for he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. You see, Today, the law officers don't carry swords, do they? They carry guns. And if you break the law, you might end up with a bullet in you. See, our children need to be taught these facts of God's Word today. But again, our media today loves to promote violence and to keep the ways of evil moving forward and to keep people oppressed. So they portray the good guys as the bad guys. Rather than teaching the bad guys from their youth what it means to be a productive part of, a, of society. This world today would rather fight for the rights of the bad rather than to stand for what is right. This, nat this nation in which we live, the United States of America, many ways has, has seemed to become weak because we protect and we promote the rights of the wicked rather than standing upon God's justice and having a law-abiding society. And look, let me say this. Evil exists in every way, shape, or form. There's people out there that put on police uniforms and can become corrupt and do what's wrong. I'm sure it happens in our major cities and everywhere, right? And they're corrupt and they do what's wrong. But what we are to do, because I'm speaking to the godly, 
I'm speaking to you who have come to Jesus Christ and proclaim to be born again, born of his spirit, filled with his spirit. Well, then you need to be living a life where you are not led by the flesh, but you are led by the spirit. And you need to be teaching and preaching and sharing with love, however you want to do it, the truth of the word of God. Okay? Because it's, it's, it's not about, you know, you can't go out and you can't coddle criminals. So we have to raise up children, raise up the next generation to respect and to honor the law. Now, I see, I believe that they need Christ because I needed Christ. See, I've come. Why do I do what I do? Why do I preach as I preach? Because the word of God has changed me on the inside. Right? I'm a, a wretched man in need of Jesus Christ each and every day of my life. I need to take up the cross. In other words, I need to crucify my flesh. I need to die to myself every day. But I can't deny the truth of the word of God. I can't just take certain scriptures out and say, well, these fit for me and these don't fit for me. The word of God is is sharper than any two-edged sword, right? It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And I need the word of God in my life every day in order that I might walk through this life in a way that is pleasing to God. And that's walking by faith and not by sight because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So again, In a sense, I may just be talking to the born again, because maybe if you haven't been born again and you hear the words I'm saying today and you're taking a political look at it, you may say, oh, well, you don't know. And who are you? And whatever. Right. Well, you'd be right. You know, but again, you need the spirit of God within you. And the way you get there is you die to yourself. You die to your flesh led life and you come to Jesus Christ. And you say, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. It's Christ that lives within me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in Jesus, in him who loved me and gave himself for me. Read Galatians 2.20, okay? Because that's how a person is changed. That's how a person becomes a God-fearing person, a a God-honoring person, a person that loves his neighbor, a person that won't steal from his neighbor, a person that won't go steal from a store or, or, or go vandalize property or things like that, only when they get changed from the inside out. So Jesus Christ is the answer. And let's just read some more verses here. Therefore, verse five, therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. So there's the reason we pay taxes, right? We want to keep the police officers on the street, keeping law and order, doing what's right. Render, therefore, verse 7, to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes and 
are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. So the man or the woman in blue has been established by God for you. You just simply need to do good and to be a person of love. That is a person that would not violate the property or the peace of another. That, that you'd be a person not out disturbing the peace. You'll be a, pers- a person out making peace. If you're a good citizen, you won't steal. And you will do all you can to respect the law. Now, there's good people that don't know Christ. There's people out there that won't break the law and they don't know Christ. Okay? But I'm saying ultimately Jesus is the answer. Because all have sinned and fall short. So if you go, you get up every day, you don't break the law. You've never broke the law. You've kept all the law. It's like that rich young ruler that came to Jesus. And he said, Jesus gave him some of the commandments. And he said, all these I've kept since my youth. Right? And Jesus took it deeper with him. And said, you know what? Go sell all that you have and follow me. And that young man went away. He couldn't do that. That was asking too much. So again, There's good people in society that haven't given their life to Christ, right? But what I'm pointing out here this morning is whether it's for the born-again person or the non-born-again person, we need law and order. So we have law and order. God is good, and He He has blessed us by establishing laws, good laws, amongst the people that don't always do good. So flipping back now to Exodus chapter 21, verse 12 continues. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. However, if he did not lie in wait, but God delivered him into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place where he may flee. So what we have here in verses 12 and 13 are intentional an unintentional murder, willful murder or manslaughter, right? For the murderer who set out to murder, God's prescribing what? The death penalty. Later, we will see that God will establish cities where the one that murdered in self-defense was given a stay until the case was properly heard, right? Um, This also would apply to the one that killed completely unintentionally. For example, a a pedestrian in our day and age gets run over by your vehicle today and you simply were involved in the accident. God does not, nor does he intend that we hold that person accountable for that accident as if they were a murderer, right? So verse 14 goes on here, but if a man acts with premeditation against his neighbor to kill him by treachery, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. So again, this is justice, folks. God's saying, take him from my altar. In other words, he can't even find sanctuary with God. Now today, again, let's fast forward in time to the New Testament where we live today in Christ Jesus. Right, which all of this Old Testament works up to and points to. You see, God with all of this, beginning of this law here, He's establishing the fact that we fall short. We all break the law. 
okay? And you may say, oh, I'm not a murderer. I never killed anybody. But let me tell you something. You're a sinner, and I'm a sinner, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But today, guess what? In Jesus Christ today, people can be saved if they're remorseful of their sin, if they repent of their sin. Now, a person may commit a crime that requires the death penalty or life in prison like, or something like that, right? But there's room for forgiveness if that person is remorseful and turns their heart over to Christ and God knows the hearts of people. So, look, thus far this morning, I've given you some meat as it pertains to the way God is expecting a group of people to live. He's a God of order. Societies today need to stand for righteousness. Laws need to be enforced today. Those that violate laws need to be dealt with in a just manner. Our nation is a nation of law and order. Our nation was originally established upon such laws that we're seeing here, that you'll see in the Old Testament. This nation, the United States of America, was founded upon it. Why do you think they, we had the... Ten Commandments and such in our courthouses. And also, why do you think people are trying to get rid of them? Get them out of the courthouses. Because there are people that are anti-law and order. There are people that are anti-God. They don't want to know the ways of God. They don't want to be governed by God. They want to be led by their flesh to do what they want and live how they want. So we, little by little, over the years, we've taken God out of this nation. So don't be surprised at what becomes of this nation if it continues, right? We've had some government officials in our history that seem to stand more for unrighteousness than they did for righteousness. They want to coddle lawbreakers, right? They want to try and take the time to understand the lawbreaker, understand their plight, to feel sorry for their unfortunate situation. But the law is the law. And the laws of the land must be kept. If not, a society, you know, goes haywire. It runs amok. <laughs> it goes crazy. And this is a lesson we must learn from the Word of God. And we must teach it to the generations that come after us. See, again, I've, I've said this in, many times in, in the past, but these things that are written in the Old Testament, they're written for our learning. Okay, We need to learn from it and see why God did what He did Okay, during that time. Because there was a group of people that, again, they were sinners and they needed it. They need it law and order, just like we do today. Nothing's changed. So I'd like for us now just to go ahead and read out the rest of this chapter here this morning. I may or, or may not comment on the verses here, but verse 15, and he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He who kidnaps a man and sells him, or if he is found in his hand, shall surely be put to death. And he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. If men contend with each other and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist and he does not 
die but is confined to his bed, if he rises again and walks about outside with his staff, then he who struck him shall be acquitted. He shall only pay for the loss of his time and shall provide for him to be thoroughly healed. Now, does that sound familiar? Kind of like some of our laws today, right? Something happens and someone has to miss work as a result of it. You know, that person, you know, the person's up and walking again and are doing fine again. Uh, you know, so the guy that really, you know, caused all the problem and all that, he's kind of off the hook in a sense, but not really because he's going to have to pay for this guy's loss of time and provide that he thoroughly be healed. In other words, pay for his medical bills, right? Pay for his loss of work and all of that, his pain and suffering. Verse 20, and if a man beats his male or female servant with a rod. Now, is this something that God is prescribing or is it just something that sinful people do? Obviously, we know it's just something that sinful people do. And it says, so that that, that, that man dies under his hand, he shall surely be punished. Notwithstanding, if he remains alive a day or two, he shall not be punished for he is his property. If men fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm, no harm follows, he shall surely be punished accordingly as the woman's husband imposes on him and he shall pay as the judges determine. Again, so many similarities to our laws today. So, but I will pause briefly right here and just say, there is indeed some leniency in the law, isn't there? There's always some sort of punishment. There's always justice. But not every crime requires the death penalty, does it? But guess what? Here's the thing. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. You see... Again, all we like sheep have gone astray, right? We sin, we fall short. And the wages of our sin is death. But guess what? God has given a gift. And the gift that God has given is Jesus Christ, in whom we have eternal life. I quoted this earlier. If anyone is in Christ, so you see you need to be in Christ, then what happens? You are a new creation, Old things pass away, all things become new. It's a new beginning, right? But the truth of the matter is, is we've all sinned and we all, de we all deserve justice for our sin. But Jesus paid it all. He paid the price. He stood in our place. He died for us. Let's go ahead. Verse 23, but if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Again, this is about justice, establishing justice, not letting people off for the crimes they commit. All of us deserve justice. So when it comes to a society, we need to be law-abiding citizens, right? But all of us, ultimately, we all need redemption. We need a Savior. Let's read on. If a man strike the eye of his male or female servant and destroys it, he shall let him go free for the sake of his eye. And if he knocks out the tooth of his male or female servant, he shall let him go free for the sake of his tooth. If an ox gores a man or a woman to death, then the ox shall surely be stoned. And if its flesh shall 
not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be acquitted. But if the ox tendeth to thrust with its horns in times past, right? In other words, it's just talking something about like a common problem here, right? And it has been made known to his owner, it says, and he has not kept it confined so that it has killed a man or a woman. The ox shall be stoned and its owner shall be put to death. So Today, you might equate this to certain breeds of dogs and such that might harm people. And when they do, they're put to sleep. They're put to death. And if it's a common problem and the owner knows it, then the owner should be punished in some way, shape, or form. He needs to be dealt with or she needs to be dealt with. Verse 30, if there is imposed on him a sum of money, then he shall pay to redeem his life, whatever is imposed on him, whether it has gored a son or gored a daughter, according to this judgment, it shall be done to him. If the ox gores a male or female servant, he shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver and the ox shall be stoned. And if a man opens a pit or if a man digs a pit and does not cover it and an ox or a donkey falls in it, the owner of the pit shall make it good. He shall give money to their owner, but the dead animal shall be his. If one man's ox hurts another so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and divide the money from it, and the dead ox they shall also divide. Or if it was known that the ox tended to thrust in times past, and its owner has not kept it confined, he shall surely pay ox for ox, and the dead animal shall be his own. So again, We see that God is getting very detailed here in all of this, isn't he? Because all these things are going to happen in a society of people that live and work together and that fall short of the glory of God, that are sinners. So the law is the law. And no one has the right just to break the law. And there needs to be justice. You see, no poverty, no, you know, familial background, nothing at all is an excuse for a person that breaks the law. As members of, the, of a law-abiding society today, we must all obey the law to the best of our ability. Right? So we must thank God for law and order. Thank God for law enforcement, those that are in authority to do that, right? For it is all established for our good. And I guess I would speak to the law officer out there and say, you better take your job seriously. You better look at it right, too. Because you've been established by God for something good, right? So... For those law officers that may be out there that that do wrong, you better better you know check check where you're at. You better take a look at what you're doing. Okay, so there's something in the word of God for all of us. And again, right, the bottom line is is not one of us can point the finger at anyone else because we're all sinners. Again, we all fall short. We all need a Savior. So the next couple of chapters, chapter 22 and chapter 23, are 
much of the same of what you see here in chapter 21. Now, it's all good stuff, and you really need to read it. Now, my wife and I are going to go through these chapters this week in our devotions, but I don't feel the need to teach you through these next couple of chapters. So when we gather again, I will be skipping past teaching through chapters uh, 22 and 23 here. I may make a common, brief commentary on it for a recording. I, I may or, or may not, but you are therefore responsible to read these scriptures, right? You see, I believe that they're all very self-explanatory. And I also believe that you yourself need to be a student of God's Word on your own. So you've got the opportunity here to study these two, next two chapters on your own. But I'll close this morning with this exhortation. Be a doer of what is good. If you name Jesus Christ, then be salt and light. Fear God. Love the, bro the brotherhood of Christ. Honor all people. Honor all people. Love justice. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. Respect law and order. Teach your loved ones. Teach your children to do the same. Study God's word. Rightly divide it. Test the spirit in this world. Know that there are lies and deceptions being put forth every day in this world. Know that Satan roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You see, it's Satan that would love to see unrest in a society, that would love to see riots and such in a society. But when we come to Christ, all that changes and again, we become a person that loves justice, loves mercy, and we walk humbly with our God. We are to seek out truth. We are to seek out righteousness. And we are to stand firm upon what is good. Okay? And everything I'm kind of quoting to you right here, you'll find all of it in the pages of Scripture. And all of this can be in you if you would just come and submit your life wholeheartedly to Jesus Christ, our great God and Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity to gather around your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who is at work within us, Lord. We all need you. We need thee every hour. With each and every breath we take, Lord, we need you because we fall short. We fall short in many ways, God. There is none righteous, no, not one. So Lord, we thank you for your shed blood. We thank you for the redemption that is in you, Jesus, that we can be set free, God, from the bondage of, of sin, we can be set free from death, Lord. We can have eternal life in you, Jesus, in you alone. For there is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we can be saved. It's you and you alone, Lord. God, work by your Spirit in the hearts 
of each and every one of us. God, and, and I pray for this nation, Lord God, and all the nations of the world, Lord, that, that we would all humble ourselves and look unto you, our great God, our mighty God, the one who was and is and is to come. Lord Jesus, we thank you. And we pray these things in your holy name. Amen.